man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. to hit a number of other passages uh, throughout the sermon. If you would like um, those passages, let me know and I, I can get those for you. But 1 Corinthians 11, obviously we're talking about the Lord's Supper. The beauty of today is that we will be talking about it and then going right into partaking of the Lord's Supper. Uh, not, nothing like a direct application um, of a message, which I absolutely love. Uh, there are certain ri rituals that we have, uh, things in our life that we do just over and over and over so much. I mean, I hate driving some location that is not home, but yet my car like heads home. Have you guys done that? Just out of the, the ritualistic driving pattern, uh, going back and forth. Uh, and, and this might be OCD, but I park in the exact same row of Safeway every single time. Okay, I claim it as a ritual now because I don't even think about it anymore, but I can't stand going out of the grocery store and not remembering where my car is. Now I know exactly where it is. If you look at Safeway, it's the doors on the right, there's a handicap section, and then it starts all the regular parking. Anywhere on that row, I will park. Forget anywhere else, even if it's closer. Now maybe the first spot I might, if it's on that side. But we get so caught up in rituals that sometimes uh, we don't give the gravity and the importance of what it really is. Um, and I want to caution us as a church with Lord's Supper. We take Lord's Supper every month, but I never want it to be, oh great, the table's there, that's going to add an extra 10, 15 minutes. Um, it took 12 minutes for a service, by the way. Um, you know, and sometimes we do that. We get so caught up in, well, here we go again, or it's just part of the norm, um, and we completely miss the true importance of Lord's Supper. Um, and that's what I want to talk about this morning, is do we as a church partake in the Lord's Supper just because? Uh, it's first of the month, deacons just met, we've got to plan all this stuff and get it ready to go for church. Um, do we as an individual partake of the Lord's Supper just because everyone else is doing it? You know, well, the plate's coming, I better grab some or I'm going to look a little silly by not partaking of the Lord's Supper. Or do you, is there a deeper meaning of why you are grabbing that plate and partaking? We, do, why do we observe the Lord's Supper as a church? Uh, why do we partake as an individual? Um, and then do we partake with the right heart? And I hope this morning to touch on all of those questions that we can really evaluate the importance of the Lord's Supper to our church, to our, our own relationship with God as an individual, and more important, as a worship experience um, to our Heavenly Father through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And the Lord's Supper is found throughout all four Gospels, uh, and then including this passage here in 1 Corinthians. Jesus himself is who instituted the Lord's Supper and baptism as ordinances, ordinances of the church. It is something that he partook of, but also um, 
asked the church to, to or commanded the church to, to, to do as obedience. And just like baptism is a symbol, the Lord's Supper is a symbol. And the bread represents Christ's body, the cup represents his blood. Uh, just like in baptism, it is just simply a picture of what God has done. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. In the Lord's Supper, as we partake, it is truly just um, bread representing the body and the cup representing the blood. We don't believe in transubstantiation, uh, where some religions believe that the, the, the juice and the bread actually become the flesh of Jesus and become the blood of Christ. And that is not, we do not believe that. And if you look in Hebrews, it clearly says that he died once for all sins. Okay? It doesn't take a reimagining of, of flesh and blood again in transubstantiation. Christ died once and that's it. That's all it took. We don't have to have him revisit that each time that we take Lord's Supper. It's not consubstantiation where Christ is present in the bread. All of a sudden, you know, Jesus is there in the bread and the, and the juice. Um, and we don't believe in that because it's simply just a picture of the representation of Christ and his body and the blood. The bread and cup simply represent the body and blood of Christ Jesus. And there is so much to the Lord's Supper. It's a remembrance, clearly, and as we partake, you will hear it over and over again, the phrase, in remembrance of me, uh, verses 24 and 25. And it's... And an object for us to observe and remember what Christ did on the cross. And, and it's sad that we as human beings need a remembrance like that. It should be enough uh, that Christ died on the cross, that it saturates our life so much that we will never forget. But God knew that we have some mental issues, okay? And thank you, God, for smartphones. I have my little notepad to write things down in. I have a reminder to add alarms throughout the calendar to remind me of things. I have my alarm to go off in the morning. Um, there are times I would like to forget to wake up. Um, but, but we need as human beings remembrance or reminders of things to remember. And how sad is it that we cannot constantly keep the cross as a forefront of our thoughts as Christians? but that we still need to be reminded of what Christ has done. And Lord's Supper is also an expectation. Look in verse 26. It says that we are to take of the Lord's Supper until he comes. And it's a proclamation. How amazing is that, that we get to proclaim. I talked about baptism last time, proclaiming your salvation of Christ Jesus in your life. Lord's Supper is a proclamation of his death and the salvation that comes with that through the celebration of the shed blood and the body that was sacrificed on the cross that Christ has given us. And it helps us to look back at the cross, but also look forward to the day when, he will, when Jesus will return in all of his glory uh, to take us back to heaven and spend eternity with him. A very cool part, if you look at the first part of chapter 11, was how messed up the church um, was that that he was the, the Corinthian church had to be reminded of how to take the Lord's Supper. Here they were 
being selfish with each other, look again at 17 to 22. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because you come together. It is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Here is the Corinthian church that the culture is that those that are important to the host get to eat first or get, the, get in front of the line, get to have the most of the good stuff. And then those that, that the host could care less about were stuck with whatever was left over. Um, and here is even the Corinthian church trying to partake of the Lord's Supper and they, people were showing up hungry. Hey, food's going to be there. And I'm going to come and indulge and get all that I can. Okay, imagine a church fellowship where you're walking around with your plate down the, the potluck, but these guys are showing up with shopping bags, you know, trying to load up on all the food that they want and could care less about the rest of the family of the church. So here's the mindset of the Corinthian church that, um, that Jesus is saying, look, you can't do this. Um, I don't care who's better than you think that you are over anyone else and unfortunately we do that as we do that as a culture you know who's better at this than i am who's worthy you know they deserve it they should have all that they want um, but things in life it's easy for us to imagine or there's there's things in life that we know that we are not as good as other people are uh, that there are a lot of people that are better at that than us um, and it it comes into our church as well. And let me illustrate a little bit. I love, or I used to love to do models. Um, I love cars and I would put together the model kit cars. But for whatever reason, you guys remember it used to come in the plastic framework and you had to cut it just right to get, get it, um, the piece out that you needed. I always messed that up. Always had too much glue on the outside. Um, I had parts that were supposed to go together nicely and they were either crooked a little bit or overlapped. Um, Pastor Wayne's phenomenal at models. If you've seen his office or even the church office, he not only just does the kits, he like makes all these handmade, um, the wood. So he is way better at shipbuilding and, and model building of, than I am. Um, Cameron, my youngest, in the last uh, month or so has taken back up skateboarding um, and I thought well you know what I'll try in fact I brought it this morning I've tried a couple of times I used to skateboard when I was younger I won't tell you how long ago that was so I thought I'd give it a shot I now I've ridden it Cameron have ridden a skateboard right where is he yes but I have to say I still get wobbly knees a little bit and this scares me to death right now wait Morris the other first aid kit? <laughs> Morris brought, there, thank you. All right, I should have brought a helmet. But the kicking thing, I'm glad I'm not gonna do, but it, I mean, yeah, and of course you loosened the trucks, didn't you? 
Okay, I am not feeling very secure on this skateboard right now. Oh, thank you. But Cameron loves it. Cameron gets on there. There's people all over the world better than I am, obviously, at skateboarding. Half of you guys could try if we had time. Um, and then anything else, electricians, I have no idea how to wire a house or a room. Carpenters, there's doctors in here. I don't even look at myself getting a shot, let alone trying to give it to someone. Um, chefs, I mean, there's a lot of things that people do better than I. But the very amazing thing about the Lord's Supper, and you're wondering where I went with this, the Lord's Supper, you, there's not a better Christian that is worthy of taking the Lord's Supper. Um, I don't care if you have just shown up to church a week ago, you have just heard about Christ and accepted him versus a person that has been a Christian for 50 years. It does not matter when we come to the table together of the Lord's table to take and partake. We are all sinners. We are all unworthy to even be here. If we're going by the sin level, I mean, I'm not even worthy to be up in a pulpit, let alone serving the Lord's Supper. Um, the beauty of the Lord's Supper is that at the table, we are all equal. We are all, the ground is equal at the foot of the cross. There is none that deserve it more. There are none that deserve it less or, or should be refused at all. So hopefully, eventually, the Corinthians got it right. But there is an awesome picture of us as a family of God coming together and worshiping at the supper table and taking this meal together. There's also an expression of our love for God at the Lord's Supper. And it should be a time that we are drawn closer to Christ Jesus, causing us to know him and to love him more. A worship time, a time of adoring him. When is the last time that you've taken the Lord's Supper and truly imagine that as adoring Christ Jesus, just loving and being blown away by the amount of love and the sacrifice that Christ gave that we truly can partake even in this symbol of love. When is the last time that you've adored Jesus at the Lord's Supper? And not because we feel obligated to, but because we want to. It can even be a time of spiritual growth. It is a time to be drawn closer to God. And that's the focus that I want us to have this morning as we go into partaking of the Lord's Supper. And who should partake of the Lord's Supper? Who should allow, be allowed to come and, and be a part of all of this? The first Lord's Supper was given to the inner circle of disciples, those devoted followers of Christ that totally gave their lives over to him. And a Christ follower is who has given their life to the Lordship of Jesus, accepted the gift of grace from the Father, and allowing the Holy, Holy Spirit to guide their life. That is who can partake of the Lord's Supper, any believer or follower of Christ. What, an unbeliever, what good is any of this? There's no significance as an unbeliever uh, or to an unbeliever of the Lord's Supper because there's, not, there's no celebration of what Christ has done in our life. There's no, the, a very amazing time would be for someone who hasn't accepted Christ to sit here and listen. Listen how amazing the power of the blood of Jesus Christ is amazing, of the body of the sacrifice that Christ gave, 
and truly understanding how much God loves them to accept them. And I could see how the Lord's Supper could be an amazing evangelistic tool for that. But for the believer, it's a memorial for what Christ has done for us. It's extremely personal. It's a time to get very real with God. And imagine as, and I know we passed the plates, um, but there was a time that I experienced Lord's Supper where I got to go and come up and, and was given um, the bread and the cup. And imagine when that happens, even taking from the plate, that Jesus himself is saying, Randy, this bread represents my body, which is for you. And Randy, this cup represents my blood that was shed for you. We talked about this corporate meal, which is amazing, but truly, when we hold those elements, it is truly a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus and ourselves. And Jesus reminding us, here is what I have done for you. Take hold of this and continue to love me and pour your life into me. And imagine, this reminds me of the first time that you're dating someone and it's time to say those three big words, I love you, okay? And you put yourself out there and how awkward is that when they're like, well, we're right back at you, or well, let's just be friends for right now. Um, but how awesome is it when the person says, says back to you, I love you too. And imagine the time of Lord's Supper when the bread is given, when the cup is given, that Jesus is saying, I love you. And how willing is your heart to say, I love you too. And how intimate, that is the true, I mean, you cannot be more real with God than that time. Um, and how amazing is the Lord's Supper in that moment to be able to share the intimacy that we have with Christ in our relationship with him. And what about the phrase, when it says in verse 27, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And this does not mean in an unworthy manner that you have sin in your life, because again, we're all sinners. I, I should not even be up here. Um, we all have sin in our life, but it's our focus. It's our heart focus. Have we truly come to the table realizing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and giving ourselves to him. When we have that focus, then it is a time uh, that we can partake of the plate. If you cannot be undistracted when life might be so crazy, there might be a situation in life that you cannot get out of your head, that you have already checked out, let alone when the sermon began, but this whole worship time, if it is so distracting to you, then let the plate pass by. Don't discount or, or water down this experience of the Lord's Supper. Um, if there is such anger and hurt in your heart and, and to a point that you have just totally checked out, then let the plate pass by. But on the flip side, if there's anger and hurt in your heart, if there's so much going on in life that it's crazy, allow this time to just grab a hold of Christ Jesus and allow him to bring you into focus with him because he desperately is waiting uh, to have you share this experience in remembrance of him. And the Lord's Supper is a time of complete, undistracted worship and adoration to the sacrifice of Jesus and his gift of salvation 
to us through his body and his blood. And let me focus as we close on these two elements, the body, his body and his blood. And the bread is his body, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Imagine this body wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. His feet that walked so many miles throughout Galilee, Samaria, and Judea, his hands calloused and strong from working with his father as a carpenter, his, hand, or his hands that helped pull the nets while he was fishing with his disciples, the same hands that calmed the storms, that broke bread and fish for the 5,000, that made a mud pie out of his own spit to put over the eyes of a blind man so that the man would see, the very hands that washed the feet of his disciples, the hands that wiped the tears from his cheek at the death of a friend. Imagine his arms that held the little children, his feet that walked on water, his back that carried the cross, his hands that were nailed to the cross, and his side that was pierced for our sins. In 1 Peter, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. We have been set free from sin. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us in our unworthiness. And by that will, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all sanctified into the glory of God. And then the cup, his blood. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus promised forgiveness through his shed blood for our sins. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. His blood paid a debt that we could never pay. In Romans 3, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Romans 5, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. In Hebrews, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, 
purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I pray for God's guidance in your life during this time of closing and invitation before we enter into the Lord's Supper. Um, I pray that if there's a decision that you need to make, if you have realized the person of Christ Jesus and how desperately he wants you to love him and to choose him, I pray that even now, if it's a decision that you need to make for Christ, that you will come forward. And we will close in prayer and then go into our invitation and then into the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Wow. Words cannot describe how much you truly love us and how precious the blood is of your Son and the body of the sacrifice that he gave on the cross that we might come and enter into an amazing, intimate relationship with you. Father, that, that there's nothing that we can do except